You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and I promise you we have a great show planned for you. Why is that, you ask? Because Tolga Tarhan, who is the founder of Kipsy, is our guest today. Tolga, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Let's get right into it. As I said at the top, you're the CEO of Kipsy, and I'm wondering, what was your original motivation to start this business? And just take us through that. Yeah. So uh, in my in my prior life, we did a lot of work in connected devices, Internet of Things. You hear about these, you know, anything from smart home devices to those same kinds of things scaled up to industrial environments. And what we noticed with our industrial customers and our entertainment venues and those kinds of customers is they really uh, they could do a lot with those sensors, but they couldn't go as far as you might be able to go with cameras. Right. So if I have a sensor that counts people as it walks by, that's all I can do with that. It's kind of one dimensional. If I have a camera that counts people as they walk by, I might be able to get demographics, interactions, how long they stood there, what they touched. And so you get a lot richer sort of mm -hmm. human level cognition out of that. And so uh, we saw a gap where adopting that kind of approach was incredibly difficult. It took a ton of R&D, took a ton of data scientists that are you know very in demand, very hard to find. And I just felt like, it's impossible for every uh, mid-market enterprise customer to go hire a CV team and build a computer vision outcome for themselves. So it creates an opportunity for kind of a platform play. And that's what, we, that's what we've decided to do. And this partly came out of your recent experience in your last company. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we used to do consulting in this space. So companies would come to us and say, hey, I want to build something that detects if my workers are wearing their safety hats. But that kind of development on a custom development basis is, is just cost prohibitive for most use cases. And so we thought, what if we built a platform where you could define those custom outcomes, but not start from zero? Hmm. So it's been a year or so since you, you and your team decided, and I'd like to just maybe highlight who the team is that you're working with to get Kipsy off the ground. But what have you learned in that time about the business and kind of what you're building? Yeah, um, it's, so it's been since August, so it's it's not even not oh. even quite a year yet. Yeah, okay. we're we're moving fast. What we've learned, what, the biggest learning has been that um, people don't know what computer vision is. So I, I always expected that we could start our message from, "Hey, computer vision is hard, and here's a better way to do it." But we've got to start our message actually from, uh, "Why do I care about computer vision?" Which is sort of a step further back in the in the understanding. Um, and so that, that's where we start. And we, we tell customers about, um, hey, if you could have computers look over your uh, industrial factory floor and get the same kind of like perception you as a human can get from that immediate kind of staring into the, onto the floor, what could you measure in your business or what could you take action on that you can't today, right? Like imagine having the power of sight uh, understood by computers. And so that tends to then get, people thinking, but we didn't, we thought that part would be evident and, and it turns out it's not. And when you, when you have that interaction and you then get the light bulb to turn on, what are you seeing from the people that you're talking to? Yeah, that's, what's really cool. So what we're seeing are use cases we would have never imagined. Mm -hmm. So if we sat in a room and said, Hey, what are the most important computer vision use cases that we could go um, address? That list would look nothing like 
which you actually hear uh, from customers when you talk to them. They've got almost every single customer that's sort of a mid-market or enterprise customer has business challenges that they don't have solutions to that computer vision could help with. And um, they say, you know, they, they, they tend to think about, hey, here's this really obscure workflow that's unique to my business. And if I had a camera that could detect this one thing, I could improve productivity or efficiency or reduce cost, you know, by a measurable amount. Um, that's huge. And my thesis is that those bespoke needs exist in mass all over the all over the industry, as opposed to trying to just solve like one or two vertical use cases. So it, it's it's in my experience from interviewing early stage entrepreneurs that when you have a good idea, you can have to be careful because you can become overwhelmed with people who want to maybe get you to work on their specific problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's Kipsy's issue at this month, this far in, but what are you finding as far as how do you and the team put disciplined approach behind the work that has to be done to build the platform that's going to serve the need? Yeah, you're, you're right. And as a startup, you have this, this, this uh, push and pull, right? You want to take every use case because <laughs> you want to grow your startup, yeah. but you also don't want to go and become accidentally a custom dev um, operation. And so, um, you know, what we've done is because we're taking a platform approach, so we're not targeting a certain vertical, we're targeting a tool that you could build a use case on. We kind of evaluate potential customer partnerships uh, at this stage of our company based on, hey, if we had to build the features that you need or the detectors that you need, is that on the kind of path to our to, to the mass market product we're trying to build that everybody can take advantage of? And the good news is that every time we add a feature or every time we add a new detector to be able to detect a new object type, um, it's very common the case, or very often the case, that that's going to translate to other other mm -hmm. industries. So that that's kind of the filter. So so tell me a little bit about the team that you've assembled. Yeah, so uh, three other co-founders, um, the people that I've worked with in the past that bring incredible talent from uh, technology, from go-to-market, from uh, brand and culture. So we've got sort of three technologist co-founders and one. Uh, non-technical co-founder, which I think is a really cool thing and an un uncommon thing for startups at our stage. And then, you know, the rest of the team are, are engineers, a mix of uh, software engineers and architects and uh, and sort of computer vision, machine learning, AI-focused engineers and architects. So, so what is that like to recruit? Because you said earlier they're uh, hard to find, they're in demand, which means also they're expensive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> speak, relatively speaking. So so how does a startup in your situation talk to these people who have probably multiple options and convince them that they should dedicate their talents and time to your projects? Yeah, for sure they do, right? And then you've got like the Amazons and the Googles of the world uh, grabbing that same talent. I think what's exciting about a startup is the ability to sort of uh, shape your own world, to have a bigger kind of outsized impact. And so uh, the folks that we target are those folks who who want obviously fair compensation and opportunity and a chance to grow, but they also want to lead and have a sort of way more impact than, you know, uh, the hundred thousandth employee at a, at a large company. And so um, those people are attracted to us and we're attracted to those people. And that helps a lot. Is Southern California a good place for you to be incubating and launching Kipsy? Yeah, I think we're sort of an underappreciated geography for this kind of talent. I mean, mm. software engineers um, exist in mass around here. And, and, um, and so we have folks primarily in SoCal. We have a few folks outside of SoCal. As an employer, we'll take talent where we can get it, but our own networks obviously are, are here. And so um, we can attract local talent a little bit easier. 
But I actually think, um, you know, I think uh, it's obviously not Silicon Valley, but I actually think there's a lot of sort of LA, Orange County based um, technical talent. Is UCI a player in this when you talk about getting talent? Are they producing people that are in your industry that you can leverage? Um, for, for sure they are. Our, our team today, it doesn't have a big skew towards any one mm -hmm. school. I would say there are quite a few um, California universities that our team comes from. So I think if you broadened that to like, you know, UCs and CSUs and, and, and other schools in California, yeah, that, that makes up a large portion of our team. I do think as we grow and we grow out of the sort of seed stage into a company that can work with low, less experienced folks, it'll be really great to be so local to UCI. Um, I'm, I am, I'm confident there's talent there. As a seed stage company, it's hard to take on, you know, interns and those, those levels of folks, but I do see that in the future. So talking about seed rounds, your seed stage, you just announced a $4 million seed round of funding. And so I'm wondering from a, for all the other entrepreneurs out there who maybe aren't there yet, or <laughs> what what are you planning to do and how are you going to use those funds? Yeah, so we did. We raised a, a, a successful seed round. Um, did it pretty quickly, I would say, just in a few weeks. And um, all of that is going to essentially the engineering effort. So, so almost nothing else even registers if you sort of sort expenses for the next um, 18, month, um, 18 months. It is all engineering salaries. Um, and that's because at this stage in our company, what we need to prove is that our core thesis work because we're taking a very different approach to this market than others and that the technology we're building will both work and it will solve real customer problems. And so that looks, you know, um, pretty much like heads down engineering, um, and then customer, uh, interactions. So, so who are you? I don't want any confidential information, but just give us a sense for what it's like to be in your place as the CEO of this company with a big vision, <laughs> no right. pun intended. Uh, how do you choose to, where do you choose to spend your time to move the business where it needs to go? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So at this stage, and I've been at the stage uh, once before, so this is the second time sort of uh, building from scratch, if you will. Um, at this stage, you know, I've got really two two major jobs I would say right. One is the, the is the is the vision and the direction and make make sure that we're all kind of um, marching to the same drumbeat and building the 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 product that we imagine we set out to build, and then the other is getting everything out of the way for the team to execute mm -hmm. right. So which are two very different hats because one's very strategic, um, and very big picture and very sort of inspirational thinking, and the other might be picking up the trash off the floor if that's what it takes right. And so. Um, uh, I am a technologist by heart, so mm. I, I, I definitely tinker in the architecture, the design. Are we building something that's going to scale and, and have the right effect? But, but that's a small percentage. Most of my time is either um, strategic direction, which involves customers as well, potential customers. What, what do they want? What are they asking for? Where do we see gaps? What are competitors doing? And then it's very tactical, like, hey, let's eliminate any blockers to progress for the team. Do you, uh, and it, obviously you must have because you got a seed round, but you must have to spend some of your time with potential investors and talking with them about the vision for the company as well. Can you share a little bit about what that dance is like? Yeah, I mean, in, investors are a type, a key type of stakeholder. They're, they're almost, you can think of them like customers in, in a way. Um, so as a seed stage company, the only path forward is to raise a series A, right? Like the reality is, when you the, when you go raise uh, a seed round, um, you do that so you can scale fast and grow fast and build a team. But when you build a team, 
then then what that creates is kind of a cash runway situation, right? At some point, you're going to need <laughs> a Series A. And so, um, so the way we think about our investor relationships is we want to have you know strong um, alignment with our investors. So the investors that we picked for our seed round believe in our vision. They understand what we're building. They want to be with us and partners for the long run. And so we're, we're very transparent with them. We meet with our investors about every six, eight weeks, um, give them a download on our progress, show them the technology as it evolves, show them go-to-market messaging as it evolves, ask them for help where we need it. For example, connections and relationships to folks that we want to work with. Um, and then we have, I would say, our you know we understand very clearly uh, what our goals are before that Series A fundraise. And so, you know, one thing that drives us and helps us prioritize is, is this something we need to do to get to where we need to get to raise a Series A? Now, that's a very broad, that's not to say everything we do is for the purpose of fundraising, but if you use that kind of um, North Star, well, mm -hmm. to get a Series A, we need a couple customers that have validated the use case. We need technology that works. We need you know, uh, go-to-market content and understanding and strategy. And so it kind of drives a really broad agenda of all the things you have to do. It's Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind, right? That's kind of what I, one of the disciplines that I hear there. You know, you mentioned one of your founders not being a technologist. And if I remember correctly, she's in the customer user experience arena. Am I correct in that? Yes. So yeah, we call her our chief experience officer, but we think of experience as actually broader than software. So a lot of folks when they think about user experience, they're focused um, on like the you know the placement of of content on on the screen and how you click and interact and that is a very important part no doubt. But what I learned in my experience building the last company is how customers perceive you and how employees perceive you and how they interact with you as a business is big. And so experience isn't just product experience. It is what's your brand look like? What's your culture like both internally and externally facing? How do you? How are you perceived by others in the market? And so it's this much bigger view. It's everything from sort of employee culture to branding to marketing to the messaging to, you know, when you sign up for our product, what's that first email going to say, and how, and how you're going to engage with the company. Is that something you knew the last time you built your other startup, or is that something you learned through that experience? I definitely didn't know it last time. So, so last time it was all engineering all the way. Um, and as I think back to that experience and I look at other competitors, um, you know, that grew up in the same industry in the same place as us, one of the big differences in success rates, I think, was how much attention did you pay to that perception? Do you look like a, a mature company with a big operation that looks stable and growing? Or do you look like a small startup? Right. And so um, I think that technology entrepreneurs probably don't pay enough attention to um, to sort of the overall customer experience start to finish as they should. You know, I think experience is the best teacher in business. And that's why I was curious to hear your answer. And uh, there's only some things you can learn by doing. Right. You can plan all you want, but until you get on the field or get in coding, whatever, talk to a prospect, just like you said, you know, you learn so much from that. Um, where do you go to gain access to other entrepreneurs who have experiences or insights that help you to grow the firm and kind of stay ahead of the competition? Yeah, you know, I think this is maybe another learning is, is the last time I built a startup, I thought I knew everything. And so, so maybe, I, maybe I didn't seek that advice out as much. 
as you uh, as you go through that experience once, you realize um, sort of the benefit of a network of people around you. So my primary uh, driver or my primary sort of source at this point is the great network I got to build in the last experience. Right, that last startup was a ten year journey through two acquisitions. I have met. Uh, executives um, that are, that are executives at large corporations. I have met other entrepreneurs who were competitors. I have met sort of a, a network of folks who now I could call and have a conversation with and say, "Hey, here's what's going on. Here's where we're at. You know, what are your thoughts?" That I find that to be the most valuable source of information. I also recently found um, uh, that there's actually a lot of great content on YouTube, and I, I don't want like I'm not, I don't mean to plug any particular platform, but like. The reality is that the amount of content of people talking about their experiences is very large. And I find those like 10 minute kind of video formats to be a really consumable way to, um, to hear something and get an opinion. We are in an exciting time where technology is bringing people closer together like that. People who have knowledge now can share it. And it's generally easy to, once you find someone, you find more like them. That's, that's fantastic. And I, and I applaud you for being a lifelong learner even with your success, because sometimes past success sort of colors our interest in hearing other people's opinions, but it's always a new day. So right. talking about a new day, let's let's look to tomorrow. So Toga, for, for our audience, describe your vision and you and your co-founders for the future of your firm. Yes, yeah, so our, our, our vision is to, is to become a platform upon which others build computer vision. And so when, when a customer says, hey, I have a computer vision problem, or I have a problem that cameras could solve if cameras were just a little smarter. We, you know, The current paths to that outcome are buy some vertical product for your industry or build it yourself. We want to be the third path in that equation. So it's you know, buy a vertical product, build it yourself, or build it on Kibsey. Um, and so we're going big. We're going for that kind of uh, household name among the developer and business analyst community as the place to go build computer vision applications. And tell me how you, you and the team, the founders came up with the name. You know, I, I, there's, we need to make up a better story here because the reality is we spent um, weeks and weeks uh, Googling, searching, looking at lists of potential names. And, and you know, this one came up sort of on a list of, um, of name uh, ideas that we saw on some idea site. And he, here's the key thing for us. Uh, it was short. It was, and there was a dot com. And it could have a personality. So going back to that customer experience thing, mm. I think, you know, if we call ourselves computer vision solutions, that, that's not a brand that can have a, a personality. Something short like Kipsy, it, it's, it's almost, you know, it could almost be a persona. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a key goal in the name. Okay. So if someone would like to connect with you or learn more about Kipsy, where would you ask them to go online? Yeah, I think I think LinkedIn. F find me on LinkedIn or find Kipsy on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. I'd love to love to hear from you. Um, I, I read those messages, all of them. Um, I'm trying to also become more active on Twitter. So if anybody wanted to find and, and converse on Twitter, that would be uh, great as well. Can I ask you why? Why Twitter? Why Twitter? Yeah. Um, you know, in in the technology community, it's just it's just sort of where open dialogue seems to happen. Um, you know, I think LinkedIn, you get more long form content, you get more sort of thoughtful um, material. But on Twitter, what you get is is a impromptu discussion about something on someone's mind today. I think there's some value to that. I think so too. Yes, I. Uh, the less time that you can get the most value, that especially in your situation, are all busy entrepreneurs. Uh, time is your most precious commodity, I would think, at this time. 
Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. Yeah. Well, yeah. More, more time would be very helpful. And that's why I really appreciate you spending 20 minutes or so here with me and with our audience today and on in the future in the podcast. So thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of our business community. Thanks for having me. Great conversation. I enjoyed it. And I want to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. This was episode number 1,357. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick Franzi, or you can visit my website, which is the same thing, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.